Ladies rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. Welcome back to another episode of Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. Of course, our housekeeping reminders at the top. Please follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. We have some fun things coming your way on the handle there. Also email us info at gallerypodcast.com. We still like hearing your spare thoughts as you finish reading, if you've taken your time and savored it. Um, also guest recommendations, please send us those. Rachel, this week I'm dubbing like redhead week because I feel <laughs> like there's a lot of news. Revenge of the Redheads is this the week. Gingers. What are we talking about? Yes. Yep. Um, well, first, I just wanted to say happy International Women's Day because we are recording Aww. on the exact day and I really adore you and I'm grateful for oh, you. And Rachel, all, happy like, I just wanted Women's to day. have a quick moment for that. We're recording on Wednesday, of course. Hashtag hype women. Hashtag hype women. Read it on purewow.com. We're talking all about it. Um, Okay, um, what are we talking about? We have so much, actually. That was a great uh, tee up, Roberta, about the redheads. But we are discussing our royal night out on the Upper East Side. I cannot wait to chat with you about that. Fergie in town in NYC. Harry's virtual chat with Gabor Mate. A Corey Corner TM guest list update. Closter's flashback. We really have so much, and the news just keeps breaking. Like, I, I have my phone open at this point. Well, when I was thinking redheads, I was thinking Fergie because we saw her in New York. I was thinking Harry because of his chat with Dr. Matei and also Lilibet. That news just hit our feeds this morning. So we'll get into all ding, that. Ding, ding, ding. Roberta, you're on it. Oh, but first, we always save time, of course, and we need it this week, big time. A royal refreshment. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. And we had the most royal of refreshments this week. Rachel and I met up on Monday night at the Carlisle Hotel. The associations with the royals, I mean, Princess Diana always stayed there when she was in New York City. Megan obviously stayed there. Kate has stayed there before. We felt so Like royalty. (laughs) Yes. It's the most beautiful. So Bemelman's Bar is in the Carlisle Hotel, and they obviously have these beautiful murals from the artist of Madeline, the childhood story. And I thought we were sitting by a celebrity. I'm not sure. I can't confirm, but I thought the guy next to us looked like David Foster. Very close Sussex connections there. Can't confirm, though, so don't repeat that. But Wait, but what were you sipping? What were you sipping? Okay, Royal Refreshment. Thank you for keeping me on track here. I had a Don't Tell Tommy, which was from their extensive martini list. What did you have? I had the SAS, which was gin-based. And I just want to shout out, I love, love, love Bemelman's. I also spent $27 on this cocktail. (laughs) I spent $34. So and I had to worth it, <laughs> worth it. But uh, but yeah, we, we just really treated the, ourselves the exact booth that Harry and Meghan sat, and we did pull up that pick ahead of time, and we were just across from it, right? And we ordered what they ordered. They I think they had the sliders, is what the rumor was, and we got the sliders, and it the was, royal rumor. Uh, it was just so lovely to see you there, and it was my first time at Bemelman's. It was beautiful. Highly recommend it for anyone in New York. I wanted to shout out before we get into our listener email that we have a few big events coming up. So the Oscars are Sunday. Are you going to watch? Absolutely. I never miss the Oscars. And who do we think? Do you think Fergie's going to be on the red carpet? Do you think Harry and Meghan will be on the red carpet? What are your thoughts? Maybe she's presenting an award is what the rumor is because of the ties to Elvis and his family and how she spoke at the funeral of Lisa Marie. So We'll see. Or Megan and Harry. I don't know. Commonwealth Day services Monday. We're going to see lots of royal fashion from Kate, Sophie. Excited for that. Camilla. So big, big events coming up. 
but let's get into our listener email if you're ready. I am so ready. All right. This one is from Remy. She wrote to us with many thoughts about Spare, and we're thankful that everyone's been sending us their thoughts there about the book. We're jumping to one graph of hers in particular from her note. She says, in one of your previous episodes, a question was posed to Omid about whether the world has experienced Sussex fatigue. However, if there's any fatigue to be had, it should undoubtedly be British tabloid fatigue. Over two and a half years, we have witnessed an Oprah interview, a Netflix docuseries, and a book. But the overwhelming amount of media coverage surrounding these events far exceeds any other engagements or discussions made by Harry and Meghan since their departure from the royal family. She also writes, Just yesterday I learned that Frogmore Cottage is amongst the latest loss to be faced by a couple who have lost their military titles, their security, they've suffered the loss of a child. Additionally, they are now facing the possibility of losing a house they paid for. Despite these challenges, the couple is characterized as mentally unstable, unaccountable, and ungrateful. She writes, this certainly is not even close to all my thoughts, but I want to end with gratitude to you both for always bringing such fun times on the podcast. I'm always filled with joy to hear from you both. That's such a great point. Sussex fatigue is more like Sussex coverage fatigue, I think. Yeah, it is a really, really good point. I also feel like that was a question in my head was like, do Harry and Meghan get a check in the mail, a refund for the rent that they paid? I know we that news just broke as we were taping last week, but we didn't really talk too much about that. Yeah, I just recently saw an update, Rachel, just a tangent really quick that um, the Sussexes learned about this before Spare came out, that they would have to vacate the property. And I guess they weren't stunned. The initial reports was that they were Mm. stunned, but it was more so in talks before, and a lot of people were wondering maybe if they, it had been used as kind of a threat of, like, don't release spare. Who knows? That's mm. just, like, speculation, but it was kind of – it was worked out before January 10th is what we know yeah. now. So more developing. I was just going to add one additional thought. I have so many thoughts, clearly, yes, borrowing please. that from Elizabeth Holmes for a second. But the headlines also that broke that William had co-signed on Charles's Frogmore plan, true or not true? Like, that was in my head all week, too, because from Spare, we know about the spin doctor. And I just – I it's so hard to suss out the truth about the Sussexes. Did you yeah, like that? Yeah, it is. <laughs> suss it is. out the truth. All right, royal history. Shall we move it along? Let's do it. And now, this week in royal history. Okay, we're flashing back to March 10th, 1988, when then Prince Charles almost died in a skiing accident at Klosters, which is the ski resort in Switzerland. The crown obviously brought this experience to life in season four in that episode titled Avalanche. We know that one of Charles's friends and and Diana's friends, Major Hugh Lindsay, died in this tragedy. Charles had been going to Kloster since 1978. His first trip was ironically with Sarah Spencer, Diana's sister, which obviously Mm, we know how that turned out when they got back. She talked to the press. That relationship was kaput. But on that day in 1988, there were avalanche warnings. And Charles, who was 39 at the time, was a very daring skier. And with his group of six, they decided to veer off the ski trails and try out a more demanding run. And that run was very rarely open and had only recently reopened due to bad weather. And that's when the avalanche struck. I'm going to play a clip where Charles talks very openly and candidly about this experience with Jonathan Dimbleby back in 1994. The guy he's talking to, I just want to preface it, Bruno is the ski guide that was one of the members Mm -hmm. of their party. And the next thing I heard was, uh, was Bruno's voice shouting, jump! This vast roaring, I'd never forgotten the sound of it, mass of, of, of snow and vast blocks that came crashing down past us. And, 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 I, and I, of course, realized then that, that Patty and Hugh obviously hadn't made it because they weren't with us. 
And this, I've never seen anything so terrifying in my life. This, this staggering maelstrom went past the vast, you know, clouds of snow. He talks a lot more in detail if you go on YouTube, but I just think it's wild that Charles escaped death. Obviously, Hugh Lindsay died. His other friend, Patricia Palmer Tompkinson, who he refers to, broke both her legs. They, Hugh and Patricia were swept over this precipice, and that's why they had a different outcome. But this part, Roberta, did you know that the Swiss authorities actually said that Charles and his crew of five or six in total with him actually caused the avalanche and oh, that other wow. other causes can be excluded and they were almost charged, in particular Charles, although he has immunity from being from a different country. But I guess the decision was that the group assumed collective risk by altogether deciding to ski off course. So not one individual was accountable, but, it, but they really did cause this avalanche. Yeah, I remember writing about this for our book Royal Trivia, which you can buy wherever books are sold. Um, but I, the thing that struck me most was when we're researching this part of the book, the imagery of Diana getting off the plane and seeing Major Hugh Lindsay's wife and those images and just the sorrow that I think was on Diana's face because it was their friend. And this really altered the course of Diana and Charles's relationship too, right? It just kind of changed yeah. their whole dynamic. It was said to be a huge turning point in terms of just kind of, I think Diana's frustration, she had felt sick that day and so didn't go up the slopes. And she was back at the chalet with Fergie, who was pregnant with Princess Beatrice at the time. And Fergie had had a bad fall. So also was like, I need a break from the slopes. And that's why they weren't all there together. And I just think all of that, it's like there but for the grace of God. Is that what you say? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really think it's it's so wild. And I think when they got off the plane, Diana's choice was to go right to Lindsay, who was pregnant, seven months pregnant with Major Hugh Lindsay's child. I think that Charles had a different, different decision there. So anyways, it's fascinating. And there's actually a lot of coverage of it. If you go and read in depth online, I also love the, the photos, you know, talk about 180, but the day before all those fantastic ski outfit photos of Mm. Diane and Fergie, they did that photo call where it's like the bright pink and all that stuff, you know, and, and they're just so fashionable on the slope. So what a turn of events. It hasn't really stopped or prevented the Royal family from doing any ski related activities because we just saw, I think Lady Louise Windsor and her family, they were skiing for their half-term break and there were photos of that. So, geez, well, and Diana, Diana so never ever after that event went back to Closters, but Charles was back the next year. He wow. there's reports that he wanted to continue the ski trip as well even after that happened, but Diana was like we are going back. Wow. Oh. Big yes. one. Big one this week. Oh, oh, speaking of Lady Louise Windsor though, I think Prince Edward's birthday is Friday, so we have to shout out that. Happy birthday, Edward. Happy birthday, Edward. And also this week marks two years since the Sussexes Oprah interview. So big dates on the calendar this week. All right. Should we get into Fergie and our wonderful royal night out on the town? Rachel and I met off the 76th Street stop on the subway, the 6th. For Fergie's promo tour at the 92nd Street Y. So before this, we had seen, you know, exclusive articles about Fergie and People magazine, The Telegraph. She went on GMA. One of the quotes that struck me from GMA that kind of sums up my feelings about all of this Fergie press, Fergie says, 
to uh, the host at GMA, she says, I feel liberated and I don't know whether it's from the queen passing on that I now think I can just sort of say openly what I want to say. I'm really, truly authentic Sarah now, which is a weird thing to say about the queen's death when it feels still so recent. It was just last September that she passed away to think now that Fergie's experienced this Fergie-assance, this renaissance, and that she's able to say whatever she wants because the queen is gone. I just, that's where I feel like this torn thing about Fergie because yes we had a great time watching her on stage with Sam Barry who's the editor-in-chief of Glamour another redhead week of the redheads uh <laughs> we laughed and Rachel and I were loving it there were Roros in the crowd a bunch of you stopped to say hi it was great we Aroro took pictures of us with Fergie but someone holding the merch yeah yeah but then it's like I'm torn because she also she has a lot to say about Andrew that's very kind, and I think that's where it really it rubs me the wrong way. But let's get into it. So I want to talk about the favorite moments and then the not-so-favorite moments. So favorite moments, I mean, Rachel, do you, do you want to talk about any up front that you want to mention? I know we love Sanberry's shoes. I was going to say, that to me was one of the bigger headlines of the night. Like, we were second row. Let's just back up for a second. This was really exciting. Roberta and I had some cocktails in us. We had royal refreshments. We were having a great night out together. And then I was just, my eyes were glued to Sam Barry's shoes. They were silver. They kind of wrapped around. They were stunning. Metallic. It was really fun, that part. I loved, I think for me, in this particular conversation at the 92nd Street Y that we were able to see uh, Fergie really steered clear of Andrew and Meghan and Harry. She dodged those controversial, or she even called them loaded questions from Sam on stage. I think that the bigger reflection that I had was just when she talked about meeting the journalist who branded her the Duchess of Pork. She told this anecdote about how she was at the mirror doing a meet and greet and heard a chuckle. She asked to be let in on the joke and he obliged revealing his identity. And then her face fell, realizing that this was the very journalist that called her mm. that. And this was what kind of led into this conversation about advice she would have given herself pre-royal wedding. And it was learn how to play the game. This is what Fergie said she would have told herself before mm-hmm. marrying Andrew. Mm-hmm. Learn how to play the game and play it better. And she kind of talked about how instead she was focused on her luck and being a people pleaser at the time. I guess I'm just like been reading between the lines on that all week. I don't know if you're thinking much about it, yeah. but what does playing the game mean? Does it mean playing the media game? Like did, are Charles and Camilla playing the game? Like, yeah. uh, what I does think that Sam, mean? And I think Sam Barry, the host, tried to really get at this where she was like, she brought up her 1996 Oprah interview, Fergie's, and she said, you know, you revealed in that interview that royal life is not a fairy tale, that it was really kind of challenging and awful for you. And now you're saying that you wouldn't change a thing, that you love being a duchess, that you, you know, have loved life so far. So how, what changed about all that? And I think she dodged that question too. And so I'm curious, like, I feel so torn about Fergie, and I think there's two sides to her. There's a side that we see that's public-facing, and then there's a side of, you know, being so targeted by the media and having a really challenging time with living with Andrew still. And anyway, so a few favorite moments, though, that stood out to me. I wanted to go through some. So she talked a lot about Hallmark movies. That's her next big goal after these books. She She is confirmed in talks to produce a TV series based on these two books. So the new book out is The Most Intriguing Lady. 
She also, I remember Rachel, her pulling out the paper of quotes from yes, the queen. Yes. She <laughs> typed out and printed a list of quotes from her majesty that she read when there was an awkward question and she needed to like steer away from it. So that was really yeah. interesting. I also like she talked about the corgis a lot. They she has seven dogs in total, which I my head turned to you, Rachel. I was like, seven. Two I know. are corgis and then five Yorkshire Terriers, which seems kind of insane. So yes. Royal Lodge is gonna need a big uh cleaning bill after they Yes. I also <laughs> like that she out. had that friends reference, which I completely forgot that Fergie was on Friends. I had to rewatch yes. it ahead of us taping. Yes. Obviously I was a friends like super fan. I wonder if Harry was excited about that because he was a friend super fan when that happened, when like the when the Friends cast goes to London, London, baby, like <laughs> I feel like, sorry, I um I feel like that was just such a funny forgotten moment for me. And she said that that was such a thrill and kind of segued into her acting in- interests. Speaking of TV, she also confirmed that she watches The Crown. She was upset that her part in this Alita season was so quick. It was a really funny moment. The whole crowd laughed. She talked about her godson who was in the crowd, which I didn't realize this, Albie. She referred to on stage as Albie. I had to look this up. It's Albie Shale. It's the half-brother of Edo, who is Princess Beatrice's husband. He lives in New York. He was there. I wish we had met him, Rachel. Why didn't we pull him aside? But <laughs> we met that a lot was, of wonderful people. Yeah, that was really interesting. She said that he danced on the tables at Princess Beatrice's wedding, which was really a funny call out. She also has a nick. I love royal nicknames. She has a nickname for Sienna, Princess Beatrice's daughter. It's Cece, which was really sweet. And she definitely revealed Princess Eugenie's birth month, I think. She, you, I listened. I filmed this moment, and I went back and listened to it multiple times. And she says, June, or I mean, sometime in summer. Because I know that hasn't been revealed yet specifically, but I think it's sometime in June now that she said that. Okay, a few not-so-fave moments. Rachel, <laughs> we walked in to the 92nd Street Y. There's a cocktail bar set up. I was so excited to get another drink. Like, well, I didn't <laughs> need one. Why? Why did I do that? I was but like, I, go I got to decline. <laughs> There's a chalkboard with one cocktail of the night called the White Lady. Why did they choose the white lady as the cocktail of the night? It doesn't make any sense. I think that there's some tie-in to the book, though. I was talking to Matt about this, and he said that this is some, like, Victorian-era drink or something. So The white lady? I feel like they need to rebrand. Yes, they need need to to rebrand. They definitely need to rebrand. Agree across the board. There's many other drinks they could have chosen. But yes, we were kind of like, our mouths dropped. Yeah, yeah. Another not-so-favorite moment is just... Like I mentioned before, the defending of Andrew, the quote was, she said, it's really sad to see what he's been through. He's very kind. She went on and on and on about how wonderful he is. That just really just rubbed me and both of us the wrong way. There was a mention of a lunch with Piers Morgan and the Mirror Group. They're always out to lunch with these media people. It's really not okay either. And then this weird moment in the beginning where Samantha Berry asks her who she wants to date or if she's on the dating scene. And she says, yes, and she wants to go on a date with Billy Bush, who has numerous scandals, one of them being with Trump and this awful video before the 2016 election. Ugh, it's just, it was weird. There were some really weird responses, too. And then the last thing I'll say is her response to the invite when asked about the coronation invite had she gotten her she said no she hadn't and that they hadn't been sent out and i thought she said i'm traveling at first and then she was like i'm traveling right now like she had a really funny response (laughs) and then sam was like no they did go out because we got confirmation that harry and megan got an email invite 
And her response was like, oh, well, I didn't. So I guess I'll throw a tea party at the end of my drive and hope for the best or something. It was like, oh, okay. It's oh awkward. my gosh. Anyways, that's it. I do just want to say on stage, if you're, she is incredibly charming. I will give her that. Like, I think, I mean, I laughed out loud many, many times, but there's just a lot of problematic things. That's where I think I get hung up is she so, says so many problematic things that I would think her PR team would just, I don't know. But she does deflect. She does deflect about Andrew a lot, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's tricky. All right, let's move on to Gabor Mate, which I spent my Saturday with him at this fireside chat. I think that it was at the therapist's house with Harry. Right? Yeah, or, or, right or it wasn't it was not Montecito as I'm just no. gonna venture that um it did feel very much like a therapy session this virtual chat awkward at the beginning actually I think I was texting you partially at the start Roberta just I love the live like updates. It, it was kind of like a little like okay we got to warm up to each other um but once they got into it it was really pretty interesting one thing I loved was the how Dr. Matei, he was very frank with Harry. It was very his his candor, like he, in a couple of moments, you know, he said right out of the gate, he didn't want to read Harry's book. And he didn't want to hear more about the royal melodrama, to be honest. He said, I've seen the crown, which I was like, I think even Harry kind of winced for a second at that <laughs> remark. But then he said he realized the universality of Harry's story and and really the humanity behind it and was actually really blown away by the book. He also gets into how he didn't agree with the invasion of Afghanistan. Basically, he was very, very frank is the best word, I think. The thing that is sticking with me the most is, again, because this was like a therapy session, Roberta, he talked about really the lack of touching within the royal family and how that led to where Harry is now. It almost takes it really back to the queen and the trauma that Charles endured. And then that was passed on to Harry. And he talks about you know, Harry really gets into his efforts personally to counter that with Archie and Lily and how he kind of has to go outside of himself in a lot of moments. Like, actually, this is a situation where you need to get there and and go against what you were up, brought up to do, which is mm-hmm. to be more, like, hands-off. Mm-hmm. And I thought I thought that was just really kind of interesting because it's not something we really centered on, but it, it, again, goes back to the therapy aspect of this is where it really is showing the lineage of what Harry has gone through. Yeah, it's so much less about Harry's personal story than just about some of the bigger, broader picture points that Harry talked yes. about Yes. And that was also what I texted you is I think it was fascinating, like, and, and also appropriate. This really wasn't another royal takedown for anyone that tuned in. I don't know if you agree. Send us a note. But there weren't new bombshells. William wasn't mentioned. It was more broad strokes and really kind of lifting the hood up on, honestly, the, the sort of psychological things that Harry has gone through. He also talked, you know, I thought this was an interesting assertion where he talked about, this is again, Dr. Mateg said that Harry's story in Spare is a story of deprivation, how Harry is a guy that was born into one of the richest families, but it's also a marriage without love, loads of conflict, you know, infidelity, these things. And I, I just kept sitting there. My my really universal response was it was incredibly brave of Harry to do such a public self-reflection. I was thinking about how this was, likely, you know, a Penguin Random House setup. Like this was part of the deal. He had to do this promotion. This was selling the books. Still mm-hmm. haven't gotten my copy. But I think to allow someone in on a very, very, very candid and honest therapy session, mm-hmm. for me, I can't imagine doing that. And bravo to Harry for doing and, it. Uh, I think that 
it's also uh, kind of helps other people realize a lot. Yeah. Of the, like I, I liked their uh, chat about trauma and redefining what trauma is. It's not yes. the wound, it's the scar. And so I think that that's just reframing a lot of things that we thought we knew. Most people, I would have tuned in just to hear Harry talk, but I think it was really interesting to hear the doctor, like what you conveyed to me, which is I'm just getting your live updates. But what it seemed like it was a therapy session for everyone, which was interesting. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like that's where I say like the part that really stuck with me is I'm now walking around thinking about the trauma. I'm very self-reflective on the large and small things that I might be passing along to Finn, potential. Like I come from a family of warriors. Like I'm just thinking about it. So I I think that that's Harry's point. He talked again, like spare is an act of service. That was his yeah. whole intention behind it. I know there's a lot of contradictions there. There's a lot more than just the act of service because it really does, you know, open up the can of worms on a lot of details about the family. But it was interesting. I'm glad that I, I tuned in. I want to ask you before we move on, because a lot of the headlines were about Harry's psychedelic use and how that that was the main takeaway for a lot of the journalists, I guess, that attended. Was that yeah. a big part of it? Not for me. I mean, I was reading some of the criticism that, like, you know, a lot of people are saying this is encouraging drug use. I mean, Dr. Gabor Mate even countered it. I guess there was a Times story about him, UK Times, that said that he was kind of into the psychedelics and he refuted those claims. I I didn't think it was a huge, huge part. What was more interesting was when he kind of publicly, I mean, again, live chat lists a long list of diagnoses he would give to Harry, including ADD. Mm. Um, And Harry says, should I accept that or look into it? And he goes, you can do with it what you want. I mean, all of this Mm. is pretty bold to to do this on a live stage, but I didn't think that was a huge, huge part for me. All right. Um, oh, one more detail about the Sussexes. The christening of Lilliput. Talk right. about breaking news, Roberta, up to the minute. Oh, my we gosh. Have, we, oh, go no, ahead. I was just going to say, a spokesperson for the Sussexes said, I can confirm that Princess Lilibet, I'm going to let you talk about that in a second, was christened on Friday, March 3rd by the Archbishop of Los Angeles, the Reverend John Taylor. Lilibet is, of course, 21 months. Princess, Roberta. Wow. I know that's big, but I think that the so the controversy is can they use the title if King Charles hasn't bestowed it on them yet? The royal family official website's not updated yet. Wait, but I, th- I look at it as a confirmation that they have the flexibility to use it, that they're the ones dropping that news. That's what also, I was going to say. Yeah. I think that um, they actually, a lot of people have confirmed that the 1917 or 1927 letters patent 1917. makes it clear that the grandchildren of the sovereign from the male side all inherit the prince and princess title and it's up to harry and Meghan whether they use it or not so they are confirming that they are going to use it moving forward it seems like they haven't confirmed the hrh title which does come with that as well but harry and Meghan agree not to use their hrh title so it would make sense that prince and prince archie and princess a little bit wouldn't as well and the I just saw that Buckingham Palace confirms that they'll update the website in due time. But doesn't that feel like a little bit of a, a a game of chicken to me? Like, did Harry and Meghan announce they were using the title and then Buckingham Palace had to scramble behind the scenes? Like, it does feel kind of like that right now. I mean, it's a really bold public choice that that was part of their christening announcement. And so maybe there is a scramble going on, but maybe it's like a olive branch. Maybe I'm putting way too much stock in one single title. I did want to also add that we had some details about the christening, that there were 20 to 30 people in attendance. There was an invitation extended to Charles and Camilla and William and Kate. They obviously didn't attend, but Doria, Tyler Perry were there. There was a mystery godmother. Who do you think it is, Roberta? I I'm saying it's- mystery. It's unnamed. <laughs> 
I hope it's Courtney Cox, but I don't think it is. <laughs> I was like, maybe it's like maybe. Serena Williams. Yeah, or- it, could be, it could be Serena Williams. I loved that Tyler Perry flew in on his private jet. He changed into a suit when he got off. This was like – the story had broken. People were wondering why Tyler Perry was going to visit Megan and Harry, and now we know why. Um, and he brought a gospel choir, I yes. think, right? Casual. Yeah, amazing. That sounds – and then they had dancing and food after. Archie danced with his little sister. It sounds like it was a lovely time. I keep thinking of the Claire Patak, the violet cakes, and how gorgeous those are, and if they had one flown in for the occasion. But really exciting. Oh. I just think for me, the the big picture thing about this announcement and the christening is like – Look who you're affecting by taking away Frogmore, right? It's it's not just Meghan and Harry. It's their children. And those children are prince and princesses of the realm. And it's Charles's grandchildren. And without Frogmore, we know that there's the lack of the level of royal security that they need. And so I think that that's where this feels like it's such uh there's a lot more at stake i think than we realize about the house changes and everything like that so that's kind of what made me pause i did see that i think charles offered him an apartment in buckingham palace should they go over that was a headline i read somewhere mm. no which idea which is still under true. construction yeah mm. all right the cory corner gather round gather round <laughs> to the cory corner this week will be quick we're just going to go through a few of the headlines and then we can talk about it but we heard news obviously we mentioned this earlier that the sussexes received their invite via email it was actually a save the date supposedly paper invites will go out in april if you click on that link rachel you'll see queen elizabeth's coronation paper invites oh i love that uh, so stunning so and stunning. remember charles had a special one made that was always so touching to me oh yeah because he was three like, storybook character like a lion and everything they are not making a decision yet on whether they will go over biden also will receive an invite possibly but he'll likely be a no is what time magazine's story has this is kind of a precedent that presidents don't precedent that presidents don't go over for coronations it makes sense in my mind like we separated from you why would we go celebrate your king um just historically it makes (laughs) sense i can hear the hamilton soundtrack now yeah exactly uh but maybe there will be a delegation from the president and maybe kamala will go eisenhower sent four people in a delegation to attend queen elizabeth's coronation so we'll see um and fdr did not go to her father king george's coronation but he also sent a delegation so that seems to be what the um mo is we have this news that the chrism oil is this is what's an, the holy anointing oil that will be rubbed on Charles's head and hands and feet is going to be vegan this year. They're Woo-hoo! taking away the animal aspect of it. It used to be this is what was really kind of gross. It used to contain the intestinal wax of sperm whales and small mammal secretions. So it's more of a cream. Like, I'm thinking of a texture of moisturizer versus, like, oil. But this year they're using olive oil instead, and it's being infused with orange and rose and all these beautiful uh, scents and smells. So it'll be a little bit. That sounds lovely. That sounds better than the sperm whale secretion. Um, There's one last thing, which is the dress code. We got wind that King Charles might not allow Andrew to dress in full regalia, but everyone else is going to be wearing their either Knights of the Garter outfits or their collars. We heard about Camilla's designer, dress designer for the coronation last week. So now we have news of what everyone else will be wearing. And it will be quite a show. So 
Lots of pomp, lots of circumstance. I feel like Lainey wrote this great piece on Lainey Gossip about how there's a lot of coronation cliffhangers. Like the Sussexes accepting the invite is the big one, but there are a lot, you know, we just will have to wait till May 6th. Can't wait till get feel all these like answers. The Sussexes, it's really, it must be so stressful for Buckingham Palace because I think if they don't go and it's Archie's birthday, they kind of have to split the news. It just seems like the palace is damned if they do damned if they don't because if they come over then a lot of the attention is on harry and megan and that's who we want to see you know and then i I don't know so it's it's interesting i think it's rising tides lift all ships like why wouldn't they just harness that glow why wouldn't they that's been the question for years right Before we adjourn the royal pod, our highs and lows. It's time for the royal highs and lows. I don't know if you saw this, Rachel. My low is these wax figures at the Krakow Wax Museum in Poland. Oh my God, they don't look anything like William, Kate, the Queen, Philip. It's kind of disturbing if you click that. Oh, oh my gosh. It's like a horror version. One of the comments on this TikTok that went viral recently is that uh, Prince William looks like Hugh Grant after 20 Jaeger bombs. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It really looks like out of a a horror film. Like the upside down version of them. His hairline, why do they do him so dirty in this? But anyways. Milo is just, if you've been following the headlines with Rebel Wilson and obviously Chris Rock, which got a lot more play, but Rebel Wilson went on Watch, Watch What Happens Live. There's just been a lot of headlines this this weekend. And in particular with Rebel, she talked about how she met Harry and Meghan. We obviously know at that polo match last year, but that Prince Harry was could not have been nicer, but Meghan wasn't as naturally warm. And I just felt like that was something that didn't need to be said. Do you know what I mean? Like it just, to me, like she goes on to explain that she was asking a lot of probing questions her mom was, but to me, it's just going out of her way to put Megan down and not as warm feels not great to say. And there would be like good reasons for Megan to be kind of cold because I think Rebel made a joke about them at the BAFTAs that was really kind of mean about the Oprah interview. So anyways, I don't know. Very weird. My high this week is the photo ops that are going to be coming out at the end of the month with Charles and Camilla on their state visit to France and Germany. They were going to dine at Versailles. I think that's going to be gorgeous. Oh, can you imagine? They're also going to French vineyards and Musée d'Orsay. I don't know. I'm like, are we more discerning now with these photo ops? Like, is this going to be a distraction from another bad headline, like the Frogmore-esque things? Or is it just going to be beautiful photos? We'll see. I know. My high, I'm switching at the last second, is these newly dropped photos of the Princess of Wales, Kate, learning how to treat battlefield casualties with the 1st Battalion Irish Guards. Do you see these pictures, Roberta? Her in all camo, head to toe camo. What a cool thing to learn. I know it's part of her patronage or involvement with that particular battalion. So I'm so proud of her switching up the hairstyle to the French braid. It's just incredible. Yeah, what great work, though. I really, really love that. 
All right, just a reminder before we close, please leave us a royal rating. We had a lovely DM that we wanted to read, and we'd love if you added this to the review section of wherever you listen to your podcast as well. But this is from Holly on Instagram. She said, so I just started listening to y'all's podcast about a month ago, and I'm hooked in the first five minutes of the episode. It's amazing. I've always kept up with the royals, and I'm a big fan of William and Kate and Harry and Meghan. I don't know why people think you have to like one over the other. You can like both. Anyways, the podcast has definitely made my rides to and from work more enjoyable. Thank you so much for all you guys share. I love the royal history as well as the up-to-date stuff. Keep all the fun facts and behind-the-scenes things coming. I love it all. Hope you guys have a great day and have definitely gained a new Roro. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Thank you, Holly, for writing us in. Please email us info at gallerypodcast.com. Until next week, God God save save the the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.